0: Debs, you there? Oh, yeah. Can
1: you hear me wonderful. wonderful,
0: wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Excellent. So I'm just going to do an introduction, and then we'll get started. Brilliant. Greetings from the Simon Schmid podcast. It's Simon Schmid in Cape Town. And I've got some very, 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 very fantastic news of somebody that had a massive, huge impact in my life many, many years ago. And I have the honor of doing a podcast with her. Debs, how are you?
1: I'm well. How are you?
0: I'm great. I am so great. But before we dive into today's podcast, I would just like to share on how I met Debs. I was, uh, <laughs> how do I describe myself, Debs?
1: <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs>
0: I was going through a little bit of a difficult time in my marriage and uh, a, a mutual friend of ours said, you need Debbie. And Debbie nurtured me and protected me and navigated me through some, some difficult stuff. And then um, she had a profound impact on me that I needed to – she was – you were actually the start of when I decided – well, indirectly decided to start ramping up my self-care. And uh, so thank you.
1: Wonderful. Happy to hear that.
0: Great. So Debs is a trauma counsellor. I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to hand over to Debs. And Debs, how did it all start? Tell us about your story. How did you get into what you're doing today?
1: Right. So it actually goes back before I was born. Uh, Six weeks before I was born, my grandmother, my mother's side, drove down with my grandfather from Johannesburg to Cape Town to help my mother with my two siblings before my birth. And she was killed in a car accident. And as a result of that, my mother went to bed for a year. In six weeks later, she had to give birth to me, and there were problems with my birth, and the doctor told her that I had died in utero and that there was no chance of her having a live birth. But being a fighter that I am, out I came, alive and well. Screaming. Screaming, I'm sure.
0: <laughs>
1: and so because my mother was so traumatized by the passing of her mother, I had a a no-nonsense nurse, as they were in those days, who took care of me for a year. And so I didn't really bond too closely with my mother, as you can imagine. Of course. Anyway, fast forward, um, my mother was like a fairy. She just couldn't be a, a mother. She tried to be a parent, but she really was like a 16-year-old girl. And she kept leaving, leaving my father and us, and going on um, cruise ships to Italy for six weeks, and then coming back. It was very bizarre. I mean, this is the sixties, and um, finally, um, my father divorced her when um, I was eight, and my father was the first man in the country to get custody of three minor daughters.
0: Wow, mm. which and is incredibly so, difficult to do.
1: It was. It was almost impossible. But he did. My mother took the money instead of the children, so it worked out well. And, um, And that was that. But my mother, being the fairy she was, believed that I was her mother reincarnated. So my counseling began at about the age of 10. So my mother had various boyfriends and issues and dramas, and my mother would phone me to be her... For advice. For advice. And sometimes she'd phone... At ten o'clock, and I'm of the generation that if the phone rang after nine o'clock, it meant someone was dead. My father would call me and say, "It's your mother," and I'll come to the phone. And my mother would say, "But dear, be listening." I said, "Mom, just calmly, just go to bed, tuck yourself in. We'll talk in the morning." And My father would look at me like raise his eyes to heaven, but he knew that that was my role. And um, and throughout my sort of teenage years, I, I looked after my my sister emotionally who was three years older than me because we had one of those awful stepmother situations. And that really was my, my start. Uh, so I had a lot of trauma with various stepmothers and all of that, but I carried on my life quite normally yeah. and um, I got married and uh, I had my first son in 1989. And um, at the time, the ANC was starting to bomb various um, facilities in the country to try and get the nationalist government to, to unban them. And so there were various bombs going off in the Wimpy Bar restaurants and at electrical substations time. and all sorts of things. And um, the weird thing is that we sort of get used to it and we carried on living around it. But I was living in Johannesburg and I had put my six-month-old baby to sleep in his cot under the window of his room and I went back to sleep. And in the middle of the night, we heard a huge explosion and glass shattering everywhere. And we were sure that it was the shopping center behind our apartment that must have been bombed in the night. Bombed, yeah. And when I looked out of what was my windows, it was just glass all over. I saw that the shopping center was perfectly fine. And my husband sat up and screamed, and he's never had another reaction. And he recognized the smell of Cordai from his army days from the explosion and never had another reaction. I went to my bathroom and saw glass that had gone from floor to ceiling. And then I went to my baby's room and it was silent. And there he was, fast asleep, covered in glass, unharmed in his cot. Wow. So only six weeks later did I react. Uh, It turned out is that um, the far right leader, um, Eugene to Blanche was in love with a journalist who happened to live in my building. And um, it was very interesting because he was married and he rode around on a horse in his khaki outfits. And, I remember him. Yes. And it turns out years later, I met a, an ex policeman who was in charge of the bomb disposal unit. And he told me that he had arrested Eugene to Blanche's four security men and, and they were trying to kill her. And they got the wrong flat. So, outside my flat, there was a little sort of grass verge. And they stood yeah. on there and put the biggest um, bomb container out on the back of my bedroom wall. And had they got the, the combination right, it would have taken down the four buildings in my complex. And all it wow. did was create a large hole behind my headboard. <laughs> Yes. So, one, I wasn't harmed, and I thought, I didn't connect the fact that I started having terrible anxiety after six weeks, and I didn't connect...
0: Plus, you were still still dealing with all your mom's stuff and the responsibility emotionally. I had, no,
1: my mother had immigrated then, and I had sort of, we'd moved apart in a way. We were sort of friends, in a sense, but that sort of ended, and I'd been for therapy for years, and I was quite sort of settled with that, but when i started having all these terrible um, symptoms i didn't connect it to the bump because i wasn't injured and i didn't know what these symptoms were and these states, where, this,
0: where this this anxiety this was coming anxiety, from
1: anxiety i had to put my son in a in a pram in the passage where there were no windows i turned the lights on outside on, on the patio on and off through the night because i felt whoever it was was coming back um wow i was very anxious i went very withdrawn um, I was so scared that my son and I would be separated by, by a crime that he bonded with my husband and not really with me. I didn't want to bond too closely in case we were separators. But And there were a lot of subtleties in this. And, um,
0: and in this process, yes. you're still doing therapy and you're still, well, you know, still trying to figure out where this anxiety is coming from.
1: Right. And what was interesting is that I phoned my therapist and she said, Debbie, you know you've got to wait two weeks for your appointment." And when I went to see her, she had no idea what was wrong with me because PTSD was not known in 1989, really. It wasn't really a thing, or certainly not here in South Africa. So after sure. seven years, I couldn't live there anymore. Also, Nelson Mandela had been released, and a lot of, of, of crime escalated and escalated, so I felt very, very unsafe. What my, one thing my therapist helped me with, which was important, is that she said, my fear, lack of safety in the world got triggered by this bomb. I had masked it for so long, and that's what it actually yeah. triggered, was my internal lack of safety. And my husband, who has not got that, wasn't triggered. That's why we were so different. And he,
0: and he couldn't understand no, where the anxiety was coming from no, from your
1: he, he, sort of, he was very supportive, but he, he didn't get it, but nor did I. So after seven years of feeling like this, I moved back to Cape Town, where I'm from. And um, I went to a psychologist with my son, who was now, well, I don't know, it must have been, he was about seven or eight. And I said, we don't bond. And I was very guilty, felt guilty. And she said, he's absolutely fine. It's your issue, which we dealt with. Still the words PTSD never came up. But she said to me, you know, you seem really um, a great lay counsellor, and the police station are looking for lay counsellors, and crime was my great interest after this and so i went to rondebosch police station which was at the forefront of of trauma rooms because in this country in 1989 1998 there was a ruling that we had to have specialized trauma rooms in police stations across the country for rape victims so they had some privacy so I got into this program, and it was only in my training that I heard the words post-traumatic stress disorder. And when we and looked, the alarm bells went off. For I realized I had every single symptom. Wow! And from that moment on, I decided no one else is going to be in the dark because once, even if it's been identified, the symptoms are normalized, and then you can manage them, and then you don't feel like there's something so wrong with you.
0: You know, I can relate to that in so many ways, Debs. You know, having you know, having my mom taken away from me so suddenly and tragically and all those things. And, and and, you know, having doing this work on myself over these last couple of years, and especially as I've become more conscious as a man from somebody who was unconscious, I realized that my trauma actually caused such internal friction for me and anxiety. And it manifested in so many ways in my behavior. And I just couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand why I struggle with confrontation with females, why I struggle with confrontation with men. It's just, I couldn't figure it out. And for those of you who are listening and, and who who've listened to Debs' remarkable story, trauma causes friction and that friction has got to go somewhere. And if you don't understand where it's going, it's very difficult to pinpoint where, what, what the issue is because you don't think anything's wrong. You just carry on and you don't, people don't deal with their traumas. It's too tough. And um, so you were lucky that you had the gift of realizing you had all these symptoms. And then what did you do after that?
1: Well, the first thing I did was really understand. That that was the first thing which really reduced my anxiety, just knowing that this was a temporary situation if you understood it. And um, I learned ways to manage it, which is what I help my clients with now. There's also something I want to mention called cptsd which is chronic post-traumatic stress disorder which people don't talk about and that is people who've had trauma for many years ongoing trauma so if you think of the abused wife or husband yes somebody who's being smacked about somebody who's with a with a very destructive parent for years and years it becomes a chronic post-traumatic stress disorder and you become so used to it but you do have symptoms So you could have the overeater, you could have the pandemic, you could have terrible headaches because we somatize it all, it goes into our body. There's a lot of self-loathing and lack of self-esteem. We become addicts from trauma. That's very, very common reason for addiction is trauma because what are we doing? We're self-soothing. We're putting a, a dummy in our mouths, a pacifier, and that's what we're doing. And while it is effective in the beginning, it becomes its own big monster in the end. And then we don't deal with the original trauma.
0: We avoid avoid it. And I think, you know, I did a podcast last year about diving deep to the source and, um, you know, coaching clients from a wide variety of, of things they're trying to shift in their life. I always try and dive to the source first because, you know, my belief is that our subconscious restraints shackle us and they hold us back from enjoying the experience of who we are and people you know people don't like to have a conversation with themselves an uncomfortable conversation with themselves and a lot of the time is that what happens is the your own personal private voice changes because you don't want to dive deep to the source of your stuff
1: That's true. and
0: um and 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 it's and, and trauma has an everlasting impact on you as i've been witness to and you, as if, as you have as well and i think you know, a lot of the time, uh, trauma makes us paralyzed. And I think there's a lot of people that find relief in other things, whether it's drag, dr- drug, sex, rock and roll, whatever that may be. But it just drives us into being so unpresent.
1: Well, and- I'll explain that to you, actually, Simon, if I can interrupt. Sorry. Sure, of course. Right, so when we have a trauma, so let's just think about a car accident, um, a crime, a fire, Um any sort of bad news or experience or you witness something frightening. okay? What happens to your brain is that you get adrenaline that goes to your brain because your brain feels you under siege. And what does it Got do? You. It sends the adrenaline to the unconscious mind and the, the unconscious mind decides how best you're going to survive. That's its only function, adrenaline, is to keep you alive. So what are the options? It's the fight, flight or freeze and freeze is actually the most common. And most people don't talk about freeze. So freeze is, if I have a man here with a gun to my head, I don't have any options. I can't jump out of my seventh floor apartment balcony. And I can't fight him. I'm unprepared and he's got the gun. So I go You're into freeze. A freeze, which means I'm not a robot. I'm calm. I'm obedient. Things are in slow motion often. Some people see themselves from above. And we just get through it, but the trouble with adrenaline is that it knows when to start, but it doesn't know when to end. In humans, animals, when they get away from the predator, they go and shake it out of their system. And so, that is why a lot of people are actually in a sort of numbed out state for a long time. And if you remember my office, I've always had a punching bag because the punching I remember that. <laughs> releases adrenaline. <laughs> Laughter. Is it still there, Debs? Always. always. <laughs> tears. Tears. Has it missed me? Always. You can come anytime <laughs> and have a good punch. <laughs> I Science thought I broke found it. in tears. So it's good to have a good cry, a good laugh, a good dance, and a good box.
0: <laughs> no, I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, you you talk about the, the, the freeze. And for many, many years, I couldn't work out why I had such issues with confrontation with a woman run away with a man run over. And I was just like, Simon, this is just weird. Like, I I don't get it because fundamentally, you know, I'm not, I'm not an aggressive person. I'm not a, I'm a, I'm a confident together, happy to articulate how I'm feeling, very self-aware, very, you know, happy to express my, my weaknesses. And I just, anytime I would get into a situation with a woman, I would want to run. And for years, Debs, I couldn't work it out. And I've done ayahuasca and I've done psychedelics and I've done coaching and I've, you know, been to you years ago. I, I mean, can explain I to you now. <laughs> so what so, so what actually, what was so fascinating mm. is subconsciously I knew that I had to dive. I knew that I had to really go and dive deep to the source of where this started. Right. And so began my intensity around journaling. And what came up it was like this very, 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 very intense journaling for six months of why, where is this behavior coming from? Okay, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, and journaling around it. And I just it just automa- auto- automatically just clicked for me. And where it started was the Friday night this tragic event happened where my mom lost her life. Oh. And on the Sunday, I arrived at the family home to collect my things. That in itself is first bizarre. Of course. I should never have been put in that situation, but that's a whole nother discussion. Okay. That was also traumatic for me. And on walking into the house, the police were sitting down having tea and cake from bread ahead, which is a famous bakery in Durban. And then I walked into my room and I was confronted by my stepdad's mother who pointed at me and said, your mother deserved it. She was a sick lady. So in that split second, Debs, Mm. my reaction was to flee. Absolutely. So, and then what happened is 30 seconds later, my stepdad comes into the room, takes his shirt off and says, this is what your mother did to him. And then what do I want to do? I want to run over. Okay. So that was the source of my issues with confrontation. Right. But I had to dive deep to the source of my subconscious to really figure it out. Absolutely. And the, and the absolute most beautiful thing about that is now that I know where it comes from, I can, I can manage it. I can understand that it's all based on a survival technique that I learned At the age of thirteen, and that survival technique is has served me my whole life, and it's been it's been such a uh, it's been a positive and a negative thing for me. But my relationship with confrontation has now changed because I've done the work. Right, and I think this is what you what maybe you can comment on as well is that people don't want to do the work, Debs.
1: Well, they don't because it's a lot of people feel that they're going to be flooded that they're going to cry and never stop. But, we do, but, but actually, we do stop. So it's, it's very frightening because we've got layer upon layer. And actually, the truth is usually not that, not that scary. What they're avoiding is no. really not that scary at all. What I do want to mention about so, what you said now, there's one of the very interesting symptoms of trauma that people don't really seem to, to know about. And I'm going to say it as overexposure versus invisibility. So I go back to my generic example of the man with the gun to my head. I am very visible to him. My form, my body is very visible. But me, Debbie, is completely invisible. He doesn't know my name. Right. I'm totally. What do I want as I sit there? To be invisible. When he says lie down and put your head on on the floor, I'm only too happy. I want to be completely not seen. Okay. When it's all over, what do I want? Visibility. I want the police. I want my husband. I want the security company. Because they all represent Big Daddy to say, I'm safe. Now, what happens in this country is very often the police are overworked, understaffed, and they arrive eight hours later. And that can be more traumatizing for me because Big Daddy didn't come and make it right. Anyway, then what happens, this is my really generic example, and it has happened, is that my husband, who has rushed home, is very caring and are you okay and so on. But one of the symptoms of trauma is that we withdraw inside ourselves. We go into our child state of fear. And what happens? After a while, my husband, who who as a general man wants to fix something, there's nothing for him to do. So he wants his wife back and his life back. And I feel completely invisible. He doesn't see me. Then I go to the shop and someone taps me on the shoulder and I can jump out of my skin and says puts their face in mine and says, oh, I heard you had this thing. So what happened? And it can freak me out because I'm too exposed. So it's quite a subtle thing. And I think when you talk about that is that you were totally exposed, but you as the child were completely invisible to these adults. You weren't Completely. Seen, but your form and, and, was and really think, overexposed.
0: And I think, you know... Listen, I, I'm a firm believer that life is making us a success in life, all of us. And life is exactly how it should be, and it should, wouldn't be any other way that it's happened and it's unfolded. And I get that. And I'm, and this is why, you know, as you have this amazing skill of, of, kind of deconstructing trauma and understanding where it comes from, and and your journey with trauma, you've got a, you've got a, as I call a QBE, you qualified by experience based on your own experience. And so am I, and that's why we both have these unique skills to be able to help people shift their lives in whatever shape or form. But I'd never realized the impact, the trauma of what happened to my mother. And then what happened to me and all these kind of things that are around me and having a relationship with my stepdad, which in itself is just bizarre after, oh you know, having, uh, having lost my mother and he got off the murder case. And how that really caused such friction for me. And, you know, my life, if I look back now, I was always trying to create certainty and uncertainty.
1: Right, there it is. Because
0: certainty represented security, certainty represented control, certainty represented I'm good enough, I'm strong enough, I'm attractive enough, I'm wanted enough. And if I tell you, Deb, looking back now, how exhausting that was. It is. Exhausting. And, and, and I see this with, with people around me and friends. And uh, I see men particularly becoming more unconscious. So they drink more. They drug more. Right. They are more distracted. They go and do these ridiculously hard sporting events from doing from zero to maximum intensity. They work hard. and They don't treat themselves with respect because they're on this kind of trying to predict their future. And they're doing it from a very, very, uh, very weak, weak place. And it's and it's exhausting. And that's why people have burnout and drink fatigue. Mm-hmm. And, and men particularly are living more unconsciously. I know most adults are and most kids are as well, more unconsciously than we've ever lived
1: I'd definitely go with that. And let let me just add to it. We talk about ego states, and all that means is in our psyche, we have an internal parent, adult, and child. So our parent to ourselves, we can either be the nurturing parent or we can be the critical parent, okay? So we can always um, be angry with ourselves or criticize ourselves. Most of us are not very nurturing of ourselves. And then we go into our internal adult, and that's when, if you were sitting, I'd tap my forehead. Because that's the adult. It's the, it's the, the stereotype of the man in Wall Street. One one makes two. It's yeah. exactly what you're talking about with men. All right? Then we have, and we have to be in our adult a lot of the time, of course. Then we have our internal child. And that has many features, too. Fear, addiction, superstition, um, neediness. Uh, poor impulse control, self-centred, there are lots of that. So in our days, we go up and down depending who we're with. And of course, we interact with other, another person and someone might be in the adult and someone might be in their child and so it goes. But the point I'm making is that I think a lot of men are much more comfortable in their adult than than anywhere else. They sometimes battle with being a nurturing parent to their spouse or whoever even, so it doesn't have to be their the physical child. To somebody else, they might find it very un- uncomfortable because they don't have experience to be the nurturing parent to someone else. Much more comfortable to be in your logical head,
0: of course, because mm. it because it distracts you from stuff you don't want to you don't want to dive deep right. to and you don't want to talk about and you don't want to open up to and show vulnerability and. And one thing that I've speak about a lot and um, is I really believe that this 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 virus is actually such a blessing. And uh, I've taken quite a lot of criticism about it, uh-huh. but I believe it's given us the gift of time. Right. And this time to make us realize what's important. Absolutely. Who do we want to show up as? Mm-hmm. The relationships I'm in. Do I want to continue with them? Do I want to get out of them? Uh, being a parent. What what what's important? My my you know everything is changing. We're questioning everything because the longer this goes on we it's forcing us to change behavior absolutely and forcing us to adapt but human beings are very adaptable mm-hmm. and so is the mind and you it's like plastic it's pl- you know you can manipulate it you can move it you can you can reshape it and i think the longer this goes on god you know uh, god, god i wish it would end very very soon it seems to be getting worse and then getting any better is that people start to realize the importance of time and the
1: relationship they have with time. And connection. That's what you do with that time. COVID has been fantastic for people and dreadful. It's created an enormous amount of anxiety. We know all of that. And that is usually because we don't know the end date. If we knew about six weeks and three days, we'd manage that, but there's no end date. Exactly. But there has been, I totally agree with you, a lot of good that has come out of COVID. Even on a superficial, funny basis, people started baking. People had a whole thing about apple tots. Don't ask me why, because I can't bake. But people <laughs> yeah. baking, cleaning out their house, uh, connecting. Getting rid of stuff
0: people. that they don't use anymore. And, you
1: know, your house, your yeah. physical home represents your body. So if I'm totally. scared, let's say I've had some issue, I can't open my windows and doors, I lock them. When I feel bad, I can open my windows and doors. So often when people come to me, and I don't only do trauma; I do relationships, families, teen. I do anything as long as I can work with a person. You're
0: one. You're one-stop and shop. one shop. I ask
1: them if they're feeling <laughs> so stuck. I, I have to ask them to clean their bedside drawer, or bedside table drawer, and they look at me. What? Because if you clean that, you've got a sense of order, and you feel like you've taken one step.
0: You know, one thing I've 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 seen with a lot of the uh, business guys that I coach is they become a lot more structured with their day but something that's come up with with dealing with with coaching these these clients is they are struggling with the dynamic of the homeschooling and the dynamic with now you know working from home yeah. and not being able to go to the office and all these kind of things and i just keep saying to them your kids need structure right structure will give them support and they can lean back on that so it's start the day starts with this you make your bed. You that everything's structured because what happens is when we become unstructured, we become unhealthy. As far as I'm concerned, and we drift off, and we you know we start getting to bad habits and too much device time and not moving enough. And and um, structure is so important. I think this is also one of the main things that this pandemic has taught us is that when a human being has structure, we become more efficient. We adapt. Yes. And ultimately we become more successful with the experience of what's going on around us, not just business wise and, and all that kind of stuff, but we need, uh, this has been such, this has been such, in my view, this has been the greatest, the greatest thing for humankind is it's taught us what is important. And um, yes, it's terribly scary what's going on. And I think also coming back to South Africa, and, you know, knowing a large amount of people and a huge network, how many people have been so so affected by this in terms of their business and their oh. health. I mean, there's a guy that I know, I saw him for a coffee the other morning, and he's an incredibly fit guy, does Ironmans and triathlons, doesn't drink, got COVID, now he's got long-term lung problems. Oh, that's huge You reason. know, so it, it, it's, it's scary. It is scary, but – it's a time for you to make some really big decisions on where, your life, where you want your life to go. And um, I see a lot of that with people. What, uh, you know, their whole narrative is changing, their private voice, what's important to them. And it's not about having the fancy cars and the bigger houses, it's about having more That's time. Good. Are you finding the same thing I there? I am.
1: And what I want to say to you, because I absolutely agree with absolutely everything you've said, I want to just throw out a little visual. I want you to picture a Frisbee spinning on your finger. How would you stop the Frisbee from spinning? You would, you would hold it. You would take one side and, and stop yeah. it. Okay? So when we talk about structure and you have a plan, what happens? You contain somebody. They're contained. Then they settle. Their anxiety, their yeah. adrenaline goes down. So when people ask me about anxiety, and I see an enormous amount of people for anxiety, there's actually a formula how to get over anxiety. And I'm going to share it with you. Here it is. You name your anxiety. Now, that might seem obvious, but sometimes we have just free-floating anxiety. So, we name it. Yeah. Once we, we can name it, the next step is to get information. Now, that might sound silly, but sometimes we, we have ideas and thoughts and maybe this and maybe that. Once we get a lot more information, right, the next step is to make a plan. OK, so one of the silly examples, which actually I thought of yesterday with a client, is this. Living with my dad, and I was about 14, and my siblings had moved out. My dad used to fall asleep at night on, in the lazy boy chair in front of the TV. Can that. <laughs> and <laughs> one time evening, I went to him and I said, Dad, what happens if you die on this chair? What will I do? And instead of saying, oh, don't be ridiculous, he said, right, let me show you here's our little homemade phone book in the drawer. Here's your uncle's number. You'll phone him. And I said, okay. And I never thought about it because I had a plan. I needed more information and I had a plan. And that's the simple system. Yeah.
0: You know, it's that, uh, it's that saying, you don't have to get it right. You just have to that's get it true. going. And it starts that's with a plan. Exactly. You know, uh, and, and people people are, are lazy. You know, I did a uh, I did a video this morning on my social media platforms. Either and and the video was one day or day I one. I love that. And people, people, people are like, oh, I'll do it one day when I've got time, when I'm fitter, when my marriage is better, when my relationships better, when I've met someone. And I love um, that. people don't want to sit down and start with a plan. Just start with something because you don't have to get it right. You just have to get. So it So what going. I do
1: is I almost picture a monopoly board which I draw very crudely on a piece of paper, and I say, so here's square one, and it says start. What do you actually want? So let's say, let's say I want to live, lose five kilos. So that's at the end. The last square is the end. Now let's go back. How are you going to get there from start? So we, uh, I agree with you. And the other thing is when people say, I'll try, I'll say, you're going to fail. When people come to me to say, oh, okay, yeah, I totally agree with that. Smoking, I'm to I'm going to try. I say, well, you might as well not, because that's it. They say, well, what should I do? I say, you say to yourself, I am a (laughs) non-smoker. That's a very different conversation with yourself.
0: Brilliant. You know, Debs, I've got this coaching tool, which I indirectly taught myself. Now I'm teaching clients around the world, this, this tool, Closing the Loop. And how it started was I... When I moved to the UK, I was, you know, just everything's different. It's, a, you know, the the rules are different, the people are different, the, everything's different. It's not like getting in your car, drive down to the bootleggers, and have a coffee with your mates. And in really <laughs> Point, it's like it's like you got to get you got to get the Google Maps out, and you got to get like you know get to the train station. It's just it's and it was sure. I was anxious. I was anxious. I was struggling to breathe, and I said to myself, I refuse to ever neglect myself emotionally, I refuse. And with that, I developed a plan. And my plan was my self care and my self care was a 21 day challenge. It was therapy, it was journaling, it was a wide variety of things. But the closing the loop and how it all started was, if I didn't name it, as you've said, I would have kept allowing the same pattern of behavior to repeat. And I've got clients, and you've got clients, and this is a problem, that's a problem, this person's done this, this one's done that. I said, guess what? There's one star actor uh-huh. in every single problem, and that's you. Because by not closing the loop, you're allowing the same pattern of behavior to keep repeating right. itself. Exactly. So, you know, if, if you're anxious, name it, do something about it. If you, you know, we all, we all have good intentions, and this is why specifically right. with weight loss, people fail. I want to lose weight. I'm going to lose 10 kilos and off they go. And it's, I, I love these new year's resolutions. My favorite. <laughs> it's, like, it's like every year is this, every year's the same new year's resolution. Every year you fail, but you right. keep doing the same thing. So we, we all come from, from, from a place of openness in terms of wanting to solve something that's in front of us, that is bugging us, but we don't enjoy the process of that change. We don't enjoy the journey of, losing a little bit of weight. We don't enjoy the journey of moving more and where our body feels and all those kind of things. But because we don't close the loop by identifying what we want to, and also identifying what, what right. it is we want to change, but also making yourself accountable like a vow, like myself, I'm not going to ever neglect right. myself emotionally, and writing a letter of intentions to that your friends something. and family so you close the loop because and yourself because you don't allow the same pattern of behavior to repeat because now yeah. you're accountable to yourself That's and your family and friends and and I did this I did this in 2017 I gave up alcohol for a year I was looking for some a challenge and I just thought alcohol would be a really tough thing to give up for a year in right. terms of socially And uh, it will challenge me in changing my behavior and lots of things. So I knew that if I, okay, I'm going to stop drinking and tell people I'm going to stop drinking, I would never get support. So I actually wrote a letter of intentions to my friends and family saying that I need their support and I would love their support and care. And I don't want to be put in a position where I have to people please. And, um, and then I wrote a letter of intentions to myself and it got me through the year, and it was, uh, without doing there? those two things, I would have failed 100%. Because I, I can hear you, Debs. Can you hear me? I've lost you. Can you hear me, Debs? Hang on one second. Can you hear me now, Debs? Lost you. Can you hear me, Debs? Can you hear me, Debs?
1: Hello? Oh, there you are.
0: How's it, Debs? Can you hear me? Yeah, sorry. And so writing those letters of intentions to my friends, I can hear you loud and clear. Can you hear me? Can you hear me, Debs? Debs, can you hear me? Debs, you there? Debs, you there? Debs,
1: I can hear you. Can you hear me now, Devs? I can like, hear you as well. Sorry,
0: I'm not kidding. Okay. No worries. So without doing those two things, right. I would never, ever, ever have completed that challenge. Well,
1: just fantastic what you've done and
0: closing the and closing the loop is so important and yet we don't because and we don't have those uncomfortable conversations and we keep quiet and we don't want to confront this and and what happens is the same pattern of behavior right. keeps repeating
1: and your self-esteem goes lower and lower and your ability in your because he, your self-confidence goes of course
0: it does, and I think that's where people lack the ruthlessness to be to back themselves. We have become uh, we become weak. Our minds have become weak. We, uh, you know, and, and, and I speak about this a lot. That we have sixty thousand thoughts a day, yeah. and a large majority of those thoughts are that's very true. negative. Now, if you can change just even the words right, that you exactly. use. Your life changes, your view changes, your lens looks right. different. And um, my wish for people is, uh, you know, and I want to ask you if there's something that you would give as the main thing that people to shift their lives. For me, is just change the words you use. Funny using. you say
1: that. I say the same thing. Your brain is listening. That's what I say. Your brain is listening. Of course. I want people to be aware of bliss moments, little bliss moments, and acknowledge them. Sometimes I just have it. It's all unexpected. Just a little bliss moment for that moment. I also tell my clients, please don't use highly inflammatory words with yourself. Don't come here and say, I'm having a heart attack. I'm cracking up, I'm falling apart. You know, you're not yeah. you're having an emotional response <laughs> to your partner saying they want to divorce. That's not you cracking up. You're having a normal response. Yeah. So I try and keep it all on the sort of low because I don't want the adrenaline spike. I don't want the anxiety going up. Of so course. we talk nicely to ourselves. We have to be the nurturing parent to the little child within us. We have to soothe them, not scold them. So we have to, yeah, we talk nicely and um, compassionately. And sometimes people will say to me, yes, but blah, 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 blah. And then I say, and so? And they look at me, what? <laughs> and I put my hands up and say, and, and so? <laughs> well, what do you mean, and so? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, and so, and they're quite shocked because they expect a reaction. And sometimes what they're saying, yeah. actually, if they think about it, it's really not something to crack up. I mean, I'm not not acknowledging their feelings, but it's sometimes a little perspective when it's appropriate.
0: We, we take ourselves too seriously sometimes, and we, our perceived reality is very different to, mo- to our, what our real reality is. And, uh, you know, you think things are falling apart around you when they're actually not. And um, I think also maybe you can you can also give your insight into this. I think people are on this to-do list. It's like I've got to do this, i got to do that, I've got to do this, I've got to achieve this, I've got to – what about just looking back on what you've That's done?
1: That's so true. I must say I'm one of those as well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm Are you a to do list? My next venture, and what about this? <laughs> and then when somebody gives me a compliment about my work, I say, please, anyone can, and then I'm thinking of the next thing. So sometimes I also have to stop. What I do want to say because we don't sell it we... it is I think, and I know you feel exactly the same as me, but I think we just need to say it, is that we it isn't so easy a lot of what we're talking about. Often we do need some help. It isn't so easy to say, right, I'm just switching myself. We need we need a bit of assistance and we need to be very kind and loving and do it slowly. Otherwise, it's too overwhelming to think, oh, I should be able to just switch into this. We're human.
0: Be- because we, we have this desire That's to true. solve things. We want to end, you know, solutions represent ending suffering right. for us. And... um I'd be quite fascinated to ask you over this last well since this pandemic has, has, uh, has been at its highest, have you done a lot of relationship work? How are you finding relationships actually becoming more magical or, or, or actually dissolving? Well, What first have you found with the that joke?:
1: The joke is that after every December holiday, the divorce lawyers are very busy.
0: because they need to pay for the expensive overseas holiday
1: weeks together and they realize so that's actually the the yearly joke but it's gone both ways other people have really connected parents have been able to spend time with their children the whole family's come together in many ways and in others it's really become very separate it's just highlighted the relationship everybody was giving it a really good go together and i And I think that worked for for most people. And then afterwards, people either separated or stayed more or less together. It's been a long road. So it has changed during that time.
0: I must ask you so, you know, I find it quite fascinating having gone through a very difficult divorce myself that we, we got, we, we, there's a problem in the relationship. And then obviously the divorce word gets thrown around so that you keep, you keep reverting back to that word, but people don't want to do the work. How many people are conscious enough to say, you know what? We've got a bit of a crisis here. I'm having a crisis internally. You're having a crisis internally. We're both having a crisis. Let's go and work on ourselves. Let's go to a therapist. Let's let this person, let's trust this person to navigate us before we go and hire the most expensive, scariest gun in town. Do you find do. a lot of that there? So one
1: of the things I do, which I haven't for a while, is actually mediation. I did a course on mediation because it's cheaper than the lawyers and okay. then you discuss. But when people come for marriage counselling, each person comes with their own suitcase of their own defences and their own theories and their own justifications and rationalisations. So it takes quite a while to get through that. And, and people want to stick to their their base. This is my belief and you must change. And the other one feels the same. So often it doesn't work. Um, It it really does take some time. And and very often people go from one therapist to the next therapist and they say, it just doesn't work. It's because, as you say, they're not prepared to really be vulnerable and really look at themselves.
0: And people want to, people, it's human nature. We want to go to the end point to end the suffering because we think that. The future will look different, and it'll be better, and it'll be easier. But the answer to that is actually it won't be. And we don't give ourselves; we're not gentle on ourselves. We create stress. We, you know, and then you add in third. You add in obviously For expensive sure. lawyers, and you know, then a, then a third party. And I just see people, you know, from having a little bit of a little bit of a chance to their relationship coming back online to be completely destroyed. And and it's sad. It's and sad, very it's, traumatic. It's like, it's like a, you know, very traumatic, very traumatic, and and uh, you know, I, you know, having gone through a divorce that I did quite quite out in the open, and you know, uh, I I had huge amounts of shame. I was embarrassed. I, I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to be seen. It was like, oh, Simon's divorce. Oh, Simon's marriage has fallen apart, and it's oh, it's gone very badly, and and that shame has to go so somewhere. So where's You know, and. Um, it turned around and went shame on them, shame not, not, not right. shame on me. <laughs> but it took me a long time to get to that stage, Debs. It took me a long time to realize that it wasn't, it That's was all my it. ego being ripped apart. That ego of, of, uh, you know, how I, I put so much emphasis on how people perceive me to be. I wanted to be powerful. I wanted to be, don't play games with me. I wanted to be the funny right. guy. I wanted to be lots of things. But all those things were constructed from right. fear, from trauma, from because I had a very unhealthy relationship with myself exactly. because I didn't know how to. I
1: really didn't. know. So you know what happens? We get stuck at the age we have the trauma on an emotional level. And it's so funny because absolutely yesterday I was looking at something which was so cute in the shop. It really was for children. And I was with somebody and I said, now this is my very best thing in the whole world. I said, you know, I'm an eight-year-old. And she said, Why eight? And I suddenly thought, oh, Eight? And I say eight? <laughs> Isn't it that interesting? <laughs> that's in the age I was. It was all well, unconscious.
0: Well, I keep, I keep telling people that I'm 28 and I'm stuck on 28 and I can't move. Well, from I'm actually
1: 18. I don't know why my body doesn't show that. I'm very disappointed.
0: <laughs> uh. Deb, I must, I must ask you I saw a fantastic oh, video right. of your son on Facebook. And. Oh. Just share with us this just is that, really that, that magical really magical video.
1: Just, it's the most magical thing that's happened to me literally in years. So I have um, an Asperger's type uh, spectrum, autistic spectrum, but he's very very high functioning. Um, at this age, we'd call him sort of a little bit quirky. He's quirky for sure. But but I was told he was Asperger's yes. five, and it's been a shocking, hideous journey through the school system, and he's never ever had a friend ever. When I have been able to get one friend over, like in when they were like 11, 11, he would sit on the couch wearing a mask from a fancy dress shop while having a a friend sit there watching TV because the Asperger person tries to be in the room, but they don't want to hide. So very often, like Asperger's in the movie, in the series Parenthood, he was a photographer because you're in and you're not. Anyway, so it was an awful journey. Anyway, a few weeks ago, He's my son Glenn came to me, he's just turned twenty-three and said, Uh, Morgan's coming to stay. I said, Who's Morgan? He's never had a friend. So he said, i don't <laughs> go the with every night. Well, I hear him laughing and joking, but I you know, I never really get that involved. I'm just pleased he's happy. Anyway, it turns out that Morgan did actually come and stay. I'd never spoken to him. I spoke to the mother Unbelievable. The day before. And Morgan arrived, and there's a video of Morgan arriving from Pretoria, coming to be with Glenn for a week. And what is so amazing is that they're on an equal footing. Now, Morgan is going to be doing medicine. He's not on the autistic spectrum. And he and Glenn have bonded unbelievably, and they had a fantastic week of just being themselves, having a little nap when they wanted to, going a little bit here and there. My son prefers to be at home, but out they went. And I was so yes. anxious that the relationship might end, but it hasn't. And then I learned that the three other guys that he plays with, and they were all very envious, that Morgan came to stay with Glenn. So it's a miracle in my life that my son is happy.
0: It is, it's such a such a lovely story. And I, when I saw it, I just could see the joy that you had. And, and also with Glenn, how happy he was. It was such a... You know, he had a little sign there. just a beautiful, it was such a beautiful video that and you posted. So and it was so amazing, really amazing. Is that
1: I put this little video on, on one of the um, Facebook pages called The Village, which has 37,500 followers, and it's for parents. And I put it on, and I had about, I think, 400 responses of people saying, I'm crying, I've got goosebumps, and then I got emails and phone calls and WhatsApp and now I've started a group for parents with Incredible. lonely children because they were so envious. There's so many children who are lonely. So now I'm doing Zoom groups for, for, for parents to help our children. So the one thing's got to lead to the next. That's my next venture.
0: <laughs> and Deb's, you've done a book. You've doing trauma counseling for so many years now. What's next for you? Well, what kind I'm- of work are you to do, what kind of work are you doing now that's different to what when we were working well, together? My
1: first book was Surviving Crime, which was a crime handbook, as you know. That's about 17 years ago, believe it or not. And um, are you there? Oh, this is my I'm here, Deb. Looks strange. And now um, I have a second book, which has just gone to be edited. And that is the first half is actually about my upbringing and the lot of trauma that I experience. And the second part is me as a trauma yeah. counselor. But it's very practical. It's actually for people, not really for me. It's not about my story, the second part. It's about addiction. It's about this. It's about it's that. And so that's what I'm doing. And then I'm doing a lot of sort of online groups. So I'm doing COVID. In fact, I'm doing one on Monday for survivors of of COVID or people who are very anxious about COVID, a lot of anxiety. So I'm doing a lot of Zoom international and local um, groups all together, and. Um, what else am I doing? And then this, this young child thing, and um, yeah, and teenagers. I love working with teenagers, perhaps because I feel like one. Have
0: you have you found that? I mean, for me particularly, but have you found now that this COVID thing has forced everything yes. to be online? We, you've you've reached yes, more I'm, people, and I really
1: enjoy it. And it's very intense, actually. It's not less intense. People think, oh no, we're not going to get it's, it, but actually, it's, we're really getting it to other spaces.
0: And it's, and there's, you know, I find it's, it's a different energy flow. Um, and as a coach, and I'm sure you can, you can speak from experience in person, the flow is okay. different. And this is quite a challenge to, to be able to keep people engaged. It's a lot more intense, you know, from me being seeing probably seven wow. to nine people a day, like six is like, I can't see more than six. Cause it's just, you know, I'm like, I'm right. squint at the end of the day. Or I actually get completely wired that I'm like I feel like I've been at a rave for two right, days. I'm, all like <laughs> I'm really more like that because it's really intense. Are mm, you?
1: <laughs> you must remember that I'm a trauma junkie. <laughs> so the more stress, the better for me. <laughs> oh, there is another thing I'm doing, you now, love it. which is my am particularly peculiar for people, which I'm also nearly finished my studies of being a death doula. Now, isn't that weird? So I was with both my parents when they passed away and it was extremely powerful and honouring. And so I'm doing this course and it's actually about being with the person, not so much physically, a bit physically, and the family and helping them through the grief process before somebody passes away. Mm. Wow.
0: Debs, how do you keep your self-care up with all this expenditure and, you know, dealing with... All this well, difficult the truth
1: stuff. is, I really am extremely lucky because the burnout rate for this kind of work is very quick. And I've done it for 23 years. Yeah, And I have the ability, I don't know where it comes from, that when I leave my office after seeing a client, my file closes in my brain. And then I say, what's for supper? So it doesn't haunt me at all. Remember also that when someone arrives for a session, they're very different to when they leave. And so, because I'm a very practical uh, counsellor. I, I once went to a therapist where he had to talk to the wall and I told her I can talk to my own wall. So I, 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 mine is and it's, <laughs> and it's free. She actually tried to get me to do three <laughs> sessions up front because she knew. Now I'm teasing. But the point is, is that it's very practical and people have to go with a plan, with something and so when they leave they feel very different and that's my payoff so i get the gift as well that's not draining yeah, you're it's actually lucky. innovative because
0: i find i have the opposite effect when i'm seeing a lot of people i get very very wired and i i get too energized and i you know i've got to decompress before i continue with the evening or i can't just go from one to the next because i find that the energy flow of online is incredibly more. It's a lot more intense, and it requires a lot of concentration. And um, so I I find my survival is to just decompress. I go for a walk, and you know when I ever if I can ever get right. back to London, I've got this beautiful oh. walk by the Thames, and I, I do this amazing walk and I decompress, and which is but it's not sunny, it's freezing cold and raining normally, and uh, then I carry on with my my evening, and I, otherwise I find I'm too way too wide, and I can't sleep, and I'm. Um, uh, it, it, I find the energy, right. I get and really fact, energized. I
1: mean, that's obviously the correct way, and you being such a gym person, that that is the way to, to get rid of one's adrenaline and one's all of that type of stuff is through exercise. So, uh, the other thing, which is, of a course, tip, which I'm not really good at doing, is that when you finish work, if you work from home, is to change your clothes because it tells your brain that now you're home. Is yes. it? Because I never really Great use it, tip. but that's Great the idea. Tip.
0: But Debs, I would like to wrap things up. We've been I I loved our conversation, but before we before we end off, I just want to say you had a a very profound impact on me, and uh, I'll be forever grateful for what you did for me. And you opened my eyes up into in lots of different ways. I was a bit paralyzed for a lot of it, but uh, you've made it. You you had a huge profound impact on my life, and I held I hold you in the highest regard. And I just want to thank you for what you did for me in those many, many years ago on the start of my more conscious journey, should I say.
1: And uh, I just want to say I thank I you say so much. can I say thank you? First, I've got to acknowledge and say thank you. I'm learning that. Uh, <laughs> what I want to say is that you, as, um, you probably feel it across the miles is that you've always had a special place in my heart. And I just feel so to you. I, hope you I do, know that, that I've yeah. always been behind you and I'm always so proud of whatever you do. And I think whoever meets you, I don't know if you're in a relationship well, or not, you. they're really, really lucky. And I really mean that. N-
0: <laughs> not at the but moment, you. no. Lucky, lucky but, person uh, who gets you. There's no relation, no relationship cards at the moment.
1: <laughs> thank
0: you for this. Deb, so how I'll... do people find you? Oh, okay. How do so people find it's... you? How do people thank find you, you and so connect it's... with you?
1: It's Here's my email address. It's debbie, without the E on the end. So it's B I at... P yes. for Paul, T for Tommy, S for sugar, D for dog, dot C-O, dot Z-A. So it's Debbie yeah. at PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. <laughs> Great. Social media, And on social, on social, am, are you on social? But, um, it's Debbie Rozofsky. Now, well, this is quite a tricky surname. So it's D-E-B-B-I again, and then it's R O Z, O W, S K Y. Uh, apostrophe S, counseling with two L's, services. Debbie these Counseling Services. Amazing.
0: But Debs, thank you for your time. For those of you who want to deal with some traumas uh, anywhere in the world now, because online is, has right. changed the space for Debs, uh, get in contact with her and she will navigate you through through whatever oh, you're going through. But Debs, thank, thank you so much.
1: Thank you for the- lots of love. Lots to you, of and love. And, uh, Good. We'll chat soon. Thanks. Bye. Ciao. Bye.